Welcome to another stop on the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by... Yo, what's up, holla at your boy? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And on this stop on the mission, as we march surely and steadily towards 200, Mm -hmm. we will spend some time with a certified hip-hop classic, a certified cult classic, a certified pop cultural classic, but is it a certified black classic? Mm. The film Breakin', 1984's Breakin'. But before we get to that, I believe we have some business to conduct. Mr. Webb? We do have business to conduct. And first of all, uh, first piece of business is shame. Shame on all of the missionaries. Shame on you, Vince, for you uh, have shamed me (laughs) into moving my television from above my ornate fireplace in my house. Shame is a very powerful tool. We don't use shame as much as we should, in my opinion. Well, you're absolutely right, because it is very powerful for for my God. <laughs> the shame that cascaded down upon me as I put my, my pictures innocently up in our Facebook group, <laughs> asking for people's opinions. And on, my- the, and on the gram. Well, okay. It probably was also putting it on the gram that did me in as everyone went in. Oh, no, son, you've got to move. You got to you got to show that off. That's right. So I have as an update moved the television. Excellent. From over my fireplace. A triumph for good taste in class. I am waiting for an appropriate stand to come. Uh, for it this week so that I can move it to elsewhere in my home. Uh, This weekend, I have a great many more pieces of furniture coming into the house, um, including, I hope, a particular piece that I think will uh, positively give the fireplace the showcase that it deserves. We all look forward to it. Okay. Okay. Well done. My God, who knew? <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> your hand just raising <laughs> so high. I've never seen your hand that high above your head. <laughs> I knew. I knew. Sh- shut up, Vince. Also, in the uh, in the world of this is the song that will not end. Sarah Elkins wrote us hey, on Sarah. Twitter. He said, I'll, I'll have to go back to your Posse episode, but for me, butter and black pepper <laughs> on grits. Or grits with spicy liver pudding. Oh my goodness, that's different. No, that's not different, Vince. <laughs> Here's the different part as Sarah Elkins continues. Okay. Leftover grits that have solidified in the fridge yeah. could be sliced and, or scooped and with fried. molasses poured oh. on top. Oh my goodness. If I'm feeling sorry for myself and need consolation. Oh my. Is she in, I don't know where she's from. Is she in a part of the world that doesn't have ice cream? <laughs> 
Uh, it doesn't say in which part of the world that Sarah Elkins is, but she is a follower of ours. Sarah, I need you to Google ice cream. <laughs> Perhaps even iced cream. <laughs> and you're in for a treat. You don't have to eat that. <laughs> you don't have to do that for yourself. You don't have to do that. There's this wonderful treat called ice cream <laughs> that I really think you'll enjoy. Comes in a variety of flavors. You find one that fits your particular palate. Why? I Something would. that aligns with sad old grits with I'm, syrup on top. I'm sure if you search far and far enough, you'll find an, a grits flavored ice cream. <laughs> or again, one that one that is equal to sad old grits with <laughs> syrup on top. My goodness. Uh uh-uh. uh. Molasses. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Molasses. <laughs> Well, well, thank you, Sarah, for sharing with us. And let us know how you feel about iced cream. <laughs> we shouldn't laugh at her choices. That's her choice. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. That's her choice. God yes, bless her. Is. God bless you, Sarah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> we got an email, Vince. Uh, we heard from... Oh, wow. Did I just miss it? Oh, here we go. Maurice Poplar. Hey, what's up, Maurice? Hey, yo, brothers. It's been a minute. Y'all done did Django. We done did Django. Django. We we did Django. We did. We did. We did. The the beat of the movie that I felt you gave short rift. When your boy leaves the dudes in the cage. Yes. Yes. Including, in, including your, your boy Omar. Yes. Go get his woman. The film lost me. I've been conflicted about this film ever since. Was he supposed to help them brothers? He was one of them brothers once. I think he was supposed to help these brothers. This is where this film falls into white gaze for me. It is so self-indulgent to think a black man abandons his community to save his woman. And in saying that, I wonder, what's wrong with me? Of course you save your woman. It's so complicated with slavery in place. They ain't going to make it far, even if they never have to reload. So Django Unchained ends noble and naive i feel you vince we get to see white folks kill killing everyone to get their lady back but with the complication of slavery my chest playing mind has to ask okay django what's your next move the sequel to django unchained looks a lot like queen and slim to me the crux of all this and the failure of most white filmmakers is understanding the strength and necessity of the black community if it weren't for all these racist rugged individual white men the black community wouldn't be as strong and needed if you want to go fast go along if you want to go far go together casting a black man as rugged individual during slavery is begging for a mythical superhero that or you have to go to the route of Harriet Tubman, Toussaint, uh, Toussaint Louverture, or Fans Fanon. Happy 200th, brothers. Keep doing what you're doing, Mo. I think that's a good critique. I, and and I, think, I think that is, I'll even add to that. I think especially when you parallel that scene with the very first scene with Schultz, mm-hmm. where Schultz frees the slaves Gives them guns, gives them directions, 
you know, he says that's the North Star, that's the way to go. I think the only the only counter argument I would have is that slavery is so unnatural that it forces you to do things that your better nature would maybe want you to do. Mm -hmm. You know, even to the point I thought, you know, back to Schultz, that first scene where Schultz is very kind of bemused right early on. And then you have to, and I don't know if we talked about this. I think it's fascinating that one half of the movie takes place in the West. Right. It's only the second part where they actually go into the South. Mm -hmm. So you get the sense that Schultz, has never really been around slavery. Okay. And the okay. film actually shows him start to fall apart. Yeah. You know, he has yeah. the flashbacks about uh, D'Artagnan getting torn apart by the dogs and everything. So that, if anything, I would say Django leaving them, A, I think it kind of goes along with the characterization of he's going, like, like it's just a straight line. Between mm -hmm. him and Broomhilda. Like he didn't lock the door back. He just, look, y'all do what you need to do, but I got other plans. And B, it's what you had to do to survive. And and I actually disagree with him. I think Django 2 is not um Queen and Slim. I think Django 2 is the two of them head to Canada and assume name assume new names and and live their life quietly except for things kind of pop off periodically where did i see somewhere and maybe we mentioned it on the show are, are you about to talk about the von shaft thing yes yeah although right well go ahead go ahead yeah that that uh quentin tarantino has more or less said that i and I guess you have to consider it headcanon for him yeah is that headcanon for him is that django and Brunhilde are the descendants of ancestors. John, well ancestors mm -hmm. right ancestors of John Shaft right yeah so maybe they moved to New York right where you could be a free negro and kind of keep your head low yeah i disagree with mo too but i disagree with mo for a more simpler reason okay uh, much to going back to what you said about Schultz in the beginning of the film where he has Django, and then he addresses the other slaves that are with Django. He, um, he, t he gives them direction about which way to go, but ultimately he gives them what truly freedom is, the freedom to make up your own mind. The freedom of your own choice. Right. So I freed you from the bond, the bonds. Now you can do a, you can do B. Right. And, and you've never had the opportunity to do either. Right. Cause there's always been whatever someone told you to do. Right. I see that in a much more subtle way. What Django did. Yes. He is. He's got his eye on the prize. Right. But much to your point, he left, he didn't lock them back. He left the gate open. Now it's up to you. Right. And to go along with that reading, there's that wonderful moment that that after credit scene where they show the close up of the one brother's face. And it's like the beginning of a little smile. Mm -hmm. Like he realizes. Yeah. 
what possibilities there are for him. Exactly. So I I read it as he actually did give them their free. He, he presented them with their freedom. Sure. It's up to them to. But to Maurice's move. point, that's not the first or fifth time I've heard that critique. Really? About okay. how Django represents this individual who doesn't seem like he has a lot of allegiance to the community at large. Mm-hmm. Even though he stops at the cabin and kills all those people and yells out D'Artagnan. Right. But you get the sense that's on the way to Brunhilde. That's true. That's like, true. that's just on the way. Right. We also got an email from Romero Stokes. Hey, what's up, Romero? I haven't heard from him I in a while. I was about to say. And he says that, hey, fellas, it's been a while since I've checked in. I hope all is well. Congrats on the new crib, Len. Yes, there is a dissertation, but it's your fault for being so damn thought-provoking. <laughs> Anyway, just wanted to follow up on last week's episode on Django Unchained, The D is Silent. I confess that I'm a Tarantino fan from way back. I enjoy the pastiche and try very hard to ignore the proliferation of N-words that occur in his dialogue. Interesting, though, is that the N-word is used more by his black characters than others, Hateful Eight notwithstanding. I'd argue that given the time period and context, Hateful Eight and Django Unchained have just about the right amount of N-words sprinkled throughout. I think a lot of Tarantino hate comes from that one scene in True Romance where a character colorfully describes the origin, quote unquote, of Sicilians. I wonder, do you think that if the N-word were removed from his dialogue, would his films be any less controversial? Along this theme, are you familiar with Dr. Edelulufu Nama's work. Check out his book, Race on the QT, where he breaks down black imagery and culture as depicted through Tarantino's lens. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. Um, <laughs> in search of Spock adjacent, looking forward to your return to the podcast and your take on Picard has been very good so far. Would you guys consider adding additional sci-fi shows slash media to Spock adjacent or even venturing backward in time to review seasons of DS (laughs) nine? Maybe we can venture backwards into doing Spock adjacent real quick. uh, Posse was pretty bad in retrospect, but like Vince, I like the gang and hope to see more of them. Don't bother with the sequel. Skip, (laughs) Altered Carbon Season 1, dive right into Season 2. Okay. 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 The trailer for the new Candyman has come out. What do you think? We spoke of that. Did we? Because it hadn't come out last week. Oh, that's right. We hadn't. Oh, well, I think, well, well, we can bring that see, up. See? You, that's, that's why you're so adamant about one of mic. Like, we did speak of it. We just spoke of it as you were setting up the mic. That's true. That's true. We didn't. We did it off We've mic. mentioned it before. There's a whole show. There's a whole show y'all know nothing about. <laughs> it has an audience of two. And they're riveting. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret sauce. <laughs> um, listener challenge. Your top five blackest movie soundtracks oh boy oh boy um hey i know you're busy but you should consider a third podcast (laughs) (laughs) 
we barely get out to. Maybe black contemporary culture or music. I listen to you. I would listen to you to riff on just about anything. Well, that's sweet. That's it Thank for now. You. Still haven't given up on getting you guys to do a live screening here in Atlanta. We should talk about that sometime. Peace, Romero. Well, thank you, Romero. Good to hear from you. We're always a hey, man. You set it up. We'll be there. Yeah, we'll come down. We'll, we'll certainly. Um, what do you, I don't? I'm not familiar with the book that he he mentions. Book race on the QT. Me either. Me either. But I'm going to look. At, I'm going to look for it. I have to look look that up. Yeah. Uh, and in okay, in Spock adjacent news, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. yes. Vince of I have admitted defeat. <laughs> as far as trying to do Spock and Jason weekly, it's 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 just not going to happen. So, um, it's on hiatus. It's not going to happen. Extended hiatus. It's not going to happen. Things could change. No, they can't. No, I think they can. I think. Vince, let's be honest. Even if it, even if we do do another Spock and Jason, are we going to get another one out on a real regular, right, consistent right, basis? Right. Okay. All right. We'll admit. All right. So, so we're admitting defeat. All right. Admit, all right. So what happens with that is that Spock and Jason, well, our Star Trek conversation, because we can't not talk about Star Trek. No, no, We just no, can't. No, no. Will find itself refolded in into the, uh, our general talk here on the Michelle mission. There you All go. All right. It won't be today it because be we've today. got a, more than a few emails to go through. Yes. And but we got to get to breaking. <laughs> oh yes. And we've got to get to breaking. Um, but it, it it will make its way in here probably like you know like within the next couple of weeks sure because sure. we definitely want to talk about Picard because we both been watching yeah yeah yeah, yeah and yeah, have absolutely. thoughts about yeah, it yeah, as yeah. well thoughts. um and and real quick just to to speak to Romero's point have you seen the actual full trailer for the new Candyman I have and and what do you think I I enjoyed it very much I feel very good about Nia DaCosta's. Mm-hmm. direction in her vision yes. which I think we all need to get in the habit of saying Nia DaCosta's name learning that name as much as Jordan Peele's name right. if not more more because, because this he, is her film this is her vision this is her he's just the one that's signing the check and I think he co-wrote it I think he co-wrote the script okay although I suspect even that may have had something to do with the production and the mm-hmm. money make sure his name's on but right. this is Nia DaCosta's film yes and as as you know, we are fans of Nia DaCosta's direction. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I liked it a lot. I'm really, really intrigued by the fact that it looks like it might be a sequel. Yeah, I with, like that with, too. Yeah, with Vanessa Williams in the trailer, mm-hmm. the implication is that this is a sequel. Yeah, so. and we found out some news just today. Right. Well, well, this, this. I was about to say. I think Yaya Mateen, Abdul Mateen, Abdul Mateen may be playing the her baby. Right. Because he's about well, her child. Her child. He right. Her baby. child. He's about the right age. Yeah. But but we'll see, you know we'll see. It, it's hard to tell. My old journalism instincts. I only saw that in one source. Okay, so, so you, want, you know you got to get at least two sources. It's hard to tell though. The reason why that's hard to tell is because Vanessa Williams looks as if she stepped out of the original. I'm thinking maybe the yeah, plot yeah. point is going to be that she is also a supernatural being. Yes, but it's it's kind of like here you go talking about another episode. It's kind of like when we talked about Lewis Gossett on uh, Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Remember we were trying to figure out what his super, because he reached into 
the water. Oh, yeah. He poured yeah, yeah, out yeah, the right. boiling egg. And we waited for this great reveal. It's like, nah, he's just an old black man. <laughs> <laughs> Which we talked about that in, uh, what was the episode, the Dorothy Dandridge, Harry Belafonte movie? Oh, Bright Road. Bright Road. We talked about that in Bright Road. With yeah, we old, sure did. Magic old-timey black people. <laughs> we sure did. And to bring it full circle, the little boy's power was that he controlled bees. Right. See, it all It all comes back. It all comes back. It all comes back. We also heard, um, um, looks like it was a, um, a good week for hearing from longtime friends. Oh. Because we heard from Robert Monroe Jr. Robert. Look at him. Uh, great show. I may have posted before about how I saw Django Unchained twice in the theater in honor of my maternal grandmother. Grandma once told me that she saw Paul Robeson in Othello on Broadway. She said, Bobby, I didn't understand everything he was saying, but it was the only place I could see a black man choke a white woman to death and not be lynched for it. So I saw it twice. That is amazing. <laughs> I love old black. Do you know how much I love old black people? Wow. Old black people, here comes Lynn, say the wildest shit. <laughs> All the time. All the time. Sometimes I sit with my parents. I'm like, y'all are talking so crazy right now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Well, uh, there you go. Here, he, Let's hear for Robert Monroe. He says his mother or his grandmother. His grandmother. Let's hear for Robert Best grandmother Monroe's ever. Grandmother. When Django took out Miss Lara. Oh, by Miss Lara. All of the black folks in the theater howled. The white folks looked uncomfortable. And well. I knew that grandma would have loved that movie. <laughs> so I went to see it twice. Let's hear for Grandma Monroe. I knew a lot of black folks who didn't want to see Django Unchained thinking that it was a slave movie. After I explained to them that it was an homage to Spaghetti Westerns, a few went to see it and raved about it. Django was both a great revenge movie and a great love story. Movie trivia, the man Django talks to about his name is Franco Nero, the <laughs> original Django from the Spaghetti Western uh, in the 60s. Of the same name, yeah. So, uh, absolutely. Thank you, uh, Robert. Good to hear from you, Robert. It looks like this movie is uh, has brought all of the uh, old timey people. All right, out. All right, Vince. I'm going to the Facebook group now. Okay. And um, I wanted to see, like, you know, there, there's a bunch of news that's been that's been posted up there. There some, is. Some there is. Love it. Love it. Love trailers. It. Black Panthers. Letitia Wright is going to star in a thriller about the real life silent yeah, twins. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Apple actually did premiere the movie The Banker. I just lost a bet with myself at the National Civil Rights Museum. Um, there's talk of uh, talk about. Um, just talk about Vanessa Williams, actually, maybe a supernatural person in the uh, Candyman movie. Yeah. Lorraine Toussaint has joined Queen Latifah in the, they're doing a pilot for the Equalizer. I, I was not interested in it at all until I heard Lorraine Toussaint's name. And now I am quite interested. Right. So there's a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of stuff happening. But I am st uh, stopping right here with a post in our Facebook group. 
that we received, Vince, and I, and I think you may have seen this, <laughs> from one Stephen W. Chillis. <laughs> he came out with both barrels firing. <laughs> I'm a new missionary, so I've been catching up. So let me go in <laughs> on Len's critique of Barry Gordy's Last Dragon. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's going to follow you forever, Mr. Webb. His critique (laughs) comes from the 21-year-old blurred. After listening further, he's he's, uh, listening from a middle-aged blurred point of view that my elementary age self, I was born in 83, but didn't realize what Last Dragon was until 88 or 89, can't appreciate I like to fight Len about it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he shat on the movie enough to fill up 20 toilets. <laughs> Square up. Let's fight in Memphis, speak Len. I absolutely hate your take. <laughs> yeah, get in line, brother. Get in line. <clears throat> I think there's a Facebook group of people. Who hate Lynn's Last Dragon critique. Listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steven. (laughs) And all you other missionaries that want to get in line. (laughs) Now, as I said, more than a year later, admittedly, on our review of Rappin'. Yes, yes. That it is with that movie that I have won one taking the crown from the last dragon as the worst black movie that I have seen okay and anointed that on the head of rapping rapping and two two I also admitted on that review that it is with watching rapping that I have gained some appreciation perspective perspective if you will on the last dragon i believe it was muhammad ali that said a man who believes the same thing when he's 50 that he believed when he was 30 has wasted 20 years of his life exactly now will i tell you that the last dragon is a good movie oh no 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 you're a man of integrity it is not a good movie okay however i can look at that movie and it's numerous warts. Yes, yes. And appreciate that it means something to you. Oh, there you go. How magnanimous. And because it means something to you, that means something to me. There you go. It, we're a community. And therefore, I can appreciate the film on that level. Okay? Okay. All right. Now... If y'all want to fight me for that take, feel free. Let's oh, bring it on. Oh, there's no fighting. There's no fight here? There's drinking and loud talking, perhaps, but no fighting. No fights. Please. Maybe uh, wings. Not over the last not dragon. Not over the last dragon. Please. No, no. Show enough. No. Don't get along. How, how Iverson say, we talking about the last dragon. We talking about the last dragon. Not a movie. Yeah, yeah. N- not a film. We talking about the last dragon. We talking about the last dragon, man. Yeah, yeah. The last dragon. So true. 
So, with that, <laughs> I'm done. Okay. It is time. It is time. For us to get into our review of 1984's Breaking. All right. Breaking. Not rapping, but breaking. <laughs> yes, breaking. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. See, 1984's Break-In, directed by Joel Silberg and written by Alan Debevoisier and David Vito under the pseudonym Charles Parker, is a film that introduced a large part of America to breakdancing. Starring Lucinda Dickey as Special K, she plays a dancer looking for her own identity, looking for her own style, struggling to get a dance gig. And she meets two break dancers in the Venice, Venice Beach, California area. Shabba um, Ozone, played by legendary dancer Shabadu. And Turbo, played by well-known dancer Boogaloo Shrimp, who are break dancers. The three come together to form a breakdance squad and together they face challenges from the institution of dance as well as a rival breakdance group, Electro Rock. Breakdancing from 1984 was the choice of Lynn Webb. What do you have to say about breaking? You started off our review saying that this movie was a certified hip hop classic. Yes, I did. And cultural classic. I'll give you that it is a cultural classic. I'll even give you that it it has become a hip hop classic. Okay. But I think that is primarily because people are looking at it in its distant rear view, seeing the the title break in. And saying, okay, it was a hip-hop movie. And and it is that distinction 
that has allowed this film to gather over the course of time the image of being a black film. Okay. To my, to, to my, to me anyway. Um, I think when people start thinking about black films and you start thinking about, all right, films that were, say that have hip hop in them, your natural inclination is to go to Beat Street put out not long after this movie. Yeah. And yeah. then you go break in and wild style films that were kind of like put out in and around this time. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. featured, you know, imagery of hip hop at the time. So people are, were regulated to a hip hop film and hip hop, uh, regardless of how democratized you may feel it has become over the years, certainly in the 80s was definitely the playing ground primarily of the inner city and black people. Okay. So that is why Breaking has taken on this sheen of being a, a black film and thus a hip hop classic. I contend that in watching this film again, and admittedly, this is the first time I've seen this film. Now I realize since I saw it okay. in the movies. So since 1984, that not only is this unabashedly not a black movie, this is also unabashedly not a hip-hop classic oh it's got hip-hop in it to a degree Mm -hmm. but it's not a hip-hop classic some would argue that the hip-hop in it is not good okay for the most part what this film is is very very (laughs) just very wrong okay because this movie which was done solely because one, the producers of uh, Canon Films, uh, Menachem Golan, had a daughter who saw a break dancer mm-hmm. in California. Right, on Venice Beach. On Venice Beach, California. Also, because he was in the movie game, knew that across the country there was another break dance hip hop movie being produced called Beat Street mm-hmm. and wanted to beat uh, uh, beat that film to the theaters yes. as far as trying to put this this uh, show this trend that was taking over and sweeping the, the country that was the only reason why Breaking was, was ever ever made so he has to stitch together a story well I saw my daughter who was a white girl who saw a break dancer on Venice beach. Lo and behold, this movie becomes about a white dancer mm-hmm. who not only is taken to the beach to see these break dancers and become totally enamored with them. Not only is she so enamored with them that then she uh, is moved to become part of their troupe. Yes. Not only is she uh, uh, um, become such an, an indelible part of their troop that she becomes the secret sauce. That's right. Behind whatever success they're going to have. 
she also in this world of breakdancers who despite them being shown dancing on the streets are shown to be relatively very intelligent well-spoken young men mm-hmm. these two the, the, the two dancers turbo and ozone mm-hmm. they're sh- shown to be men who have integrity about the art that they are performing they are shown to be men who whether you agree with it or not actually have a loose idea of what they want to do with their dancing right with their careers but no, she, this woman played by Lucinda Dickey. Yes, yes. Is, who gets top billing. Who gets top billing in this film. She was a ninja through the domination. And so there is that. As a, in the role of Kelly, a.k.a. Special K, she becomes the spokesperson, not just for Ozone and Turbo, but for breakdancing itself. <laughs> From the audition rooms of ballet to the uh, the manicured, catered parties along the Riviera to the big stage <laughs> of Broadway, she, Special K, will light the fire. And chart the course for breakdancing the phenomena. Yes. This is my moment, Vince. Get the f*** out of here. (laughs) It's super realistic, though. (laughs) Like, that's exactly the way it happens. (laughs) Like, it's unintentionally super realistic. This I said, are you out? I for I totally forgot that aspect of the movie. Madonna is eating spaghetti right now with shavings of gold <laughs> on it. That's true. That's true. I mean, look, man, that bothered me so much about this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, are you? Are you? And what makes it even more egregious? Y- y'all can't see it. Linda's about to stand up. What makes it more egregious? This is not. Special K driving along Venice Beach and notice the break dancers and say, oh, that looks interesting. No, this is her doing bad at a rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, she can't get a job. Can't get a job. And her black friend. Yes, yes. Who has seen the break dancers. Her flamboyantly gay black friend. Her flamboyantly gay Black co-dancer, co-dancer, co-dancer. Yes. In the troupe, nicknames Cupcakes, has seen these break dancers and know. Let me show you this because this will make you feel better. This will make you feel better. They'll, they'll sing and dance for you. So she, he takes her down to the beach. He introduces her to Ozone and Turbo, and they totally forgo this man who has the exact same moves as her. Yes, yes. And maybe execute them a bit better. Absolutely. Lucinda Dickey is not the world's greatest dancer. But no, he, she just totally takes takes over. 
In the film's defense, it makes very clear that Ozone is trying to get with her, though. Okay. Okay, but that's so, the other thing. So, you know. So now Lucinda Dickey. It's not like he's he's blinded. It's not like 1930 whatever. It's King Kong. Okay. King Kong is blinded by her beauty. Like, Ozone is, you know. Well, Ozone seems blinded by her beauty because Lucinda Dickey, she's a nice looking woman. Hey, hey, look, man. But I'm just saying it's not like they said, oh, she's the greatest dancer on earth. Let us bow to her skill. Like Ozone was actually trying to get with her. Okay. He was trying to get with her. So he teaches her. He teaches her the moves so that he can be part. She could be part of the troop. Right. So he definitely has an ulterior motive. Yes. An articulated ulterior motive. And that's true. Right, okay. That Okay, all right. Like, her boy is a better dancer, but Ozone's not gay. Right, right. Ozone Ozone is just a, just a guy who has allergic to sleeves. Um, <laughs> you leave Shabadu alone. I'm not mad at him, but, I mean, did he have to tear up the tuxedo? <laughs> I mean, he had to tear it off. He had to tear off to like I can't dance in sleeves. Uh, I'm sorry, I cannot get. I can't get funky. Yeah, with with sleeves. Um, so have I forgot? I forgot all about that that part of this movie. And she is like you said, um, Lucinda Dickey does get the lead. So she is the person upon who this film it shoulders it rests upon. Absolutely, Ozone, who definitely has the. He definitely has the look. He's got a little bit of a charisma. charisma. Um, yeah, it does. You know, he and definitely you get the shades of a first-time actor, and you can feel that right, in, right, right. Uh, in his performance. Um, the same with Turbo. Yeah, the same. The same with uh, uh, Michael Shrimp. Uh, Michael Chambers. Boogaloo at, Shrimp. Boogaloo Shrimp. It's a street name. As, as as Turbo, you get you get the sense these are first time actors. They're here having their fun. Okay, I'm not going to you know knock their acting. What I am going to knock though, and maybe this is me. Okay. And and you tell me if this is just my 2020, 2020 take on this. Okay. But the other thing that I'm look, looking at this movie, mm-hmm. you, you've got all shades of dancing being presented in this film. Yeah. You have Lucinda Dickey trying to make it in like contemporary dance, sure, ballet, sure. kind of like some jazz dancing you see in taking off. She taking studied dance here. at the University of Kansas. Right, right. And you've got the break dancing, the popping and locking mm-hmm. of uh, Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp. Yes. Okay, you've got the the break dancing and popping and locking that you see from at the club right, when right. They, they're doing the battles sure, and, sure. and electro all, rock with uh, against electro rock, electro rock rival rival dance group. Right, dance you've got group. all of that. Do my eyes deceive me, or is that is their dancing not that good either? It's short of the still very captivating scene of Bugaloo 
Boogaloo Shrimp with yeah with the broom. Yeah, the broom sequences, which is, is still a sequence, is actually iconic. It's, it's iconic. Yeah, you could watch it as if it was today, and it's still like yes. Do you see the strings? Sure, but but you don't. That doesn't matter. Yeah, you're just lost in his joy and him and him getting that over. Short of that scene, the dancing in this film is not anything really. Not doing anything. I don't for me. think it's 2020. I do think you're showing your East Coast bias, though. Uh, no, I, I'll show you. I'll tell you what bias I am showing. I don't think I'm showing East Coast bias. I honestly don't think. What I am showing, though, however, is poor direction. Because when you've got, when you have dancing, especially that in, in, is informed by how your entire body right, right. is it's, moving. It's more that pop lock in that. Right. It is more of an East Coast thing. That means it's mo- it's all the more important for you to be able to see the body on screen right. making these moves. And too often in this film, the the shots are very tight or right. three quarter, so you can't really appreciate what's happening uh, body wise and movement wise. I agree, and I think I think the pattern that emerges is that while I. I actually like the two scenes at the club, mm-hmm. like the two battle sequences at the club. But like you, I don't think they're directed that well. Right. As opposed to the aforementioned broom scene. Yes. I was actually charmed by the end of the training sequence where they trained. They were training Special K. Okay, that little montage. Like, like I thought you started, you really got the camaraderie and, and you got the, you know, the sense that they had this chemistry between the three of them. But like you said, those were tighter sequences mm-hmm. and more traditional sequences. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I just, well, you just said it. I think it's the direction. Yeah, I, I think the direction lets those two dancers down. But, I mean, look. You said it at the very beginning. This is something that was slapped together. Yeah, man. This is some we we we've actually talked about this a little bit with um when we were talking about rapping. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, because rapping was slapped together too, right? And as we mentioned, uh, the the screenwriter Charles Parker was a pseudonym for David. Was was it David Vito? I just had it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm I think, that, I think that was a David, David v- Zito. Zito, right? David Zito, who had who had made a, a documentary mm-hmm. called breaking and entering mm-hmm. which was about the this these dancers at radiotron which is where boogaloo shrimp came in mm-hmm. shabadoo had been a dancer for you know by 84 at least a decade yeah on the west coast he was part of the rockets and mm-hmm. and you know what what i always go to is he was on that great episode of what's happening, what's happening. Where he played one of the Rockets and and rerun had them on because Freddie rerun Stubbs was also a Rocket, mm-hmm. so the two of them had these hip hop bona fides. Mm-hmm. David Zito had made this documentary, and he wanted to make, as you said, the word was out that Beat Street was coming. Yep, and David Zito wanted to make a West Coast version mm-hmm. because West Coast hip hop, even in the eighties. It it evolved differently. Very true. East Coast hip hop, <laughs> and some of the evolution is on evidence in this film. We'll talk about it. And, but as you said, uh, Cannon and 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 Man- uh, Menachem, Menachem Golan rushed this thing out. 
to end. It was so rushed and they butchered David Zito's writing so much that he took his name off of it. And then and you get the pseudonym. I agree with you for a like I maybe 80 percent. I agree with you. OK, I think this is a film and I had forgotten how much Lucinda Dickey's character was the center of this film. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest argument that you can make about this not being a black film is that this is her film. Right. She has the arc. She has the quote unquote love interests. Mm -hmm. She has the challenges and everything we see is through her eyes. I think what makes this an interesting film and I'm not like I come right to I disagree with you and this is a black film like I come right to that line hmm. of saying it because I think there is enough of David Zito's vision in here fighting with breaking like I think there's this real struggle within the film where where I mean, frankly, Turbo and Ozone overwhelm her. Right. Okay. Like, like her parts of of the film just aren't like you can tell is just sort of boilerplate. You know, girl is, yeah. is is introduced to this new culture, and and oh, she's pulled in. But in 1984, I think the power of this, because again, I think there are lots and lots and lots and lots of people that this was their introduction to hip-hop fair enough came out before beat street okay i don't know how many people had seen wild style wild style was very underground. out out of i mean you know not to pull this card too much but remember you're a philly dude yeah so yeah. you were actually in that fairly in small area yeah that yeah. you were exposed yeah i don't know how many people saw wild style i don't know how many people saw um i forgot the name of my my other joint my other documentary about the the graffiti artist. Oh, I know you're talking about. I can't think of the name, but I know you're so talking that about. Yeah. the power of this culture, the power of this hip hop, the raw charisma of Boogaloo Shrimp and and um, uh, Shabadoo, because I think they're pretty charismatic guys. Like I get why they got tapped, right? To get to be in this film as opposed to the million other dancers, and frankly. Some, at least in, in, in terms of Shabadoo, may be better dancers than Shabadoo. Right. Because the interesting thing about Shabadoo, if, if you look at, at that episode of what's happening, mm -hmm. three or four of the Rockets are better dancers than he is. Yes. But he's always got the tap yep. to be out front. You know, he's a good looking guy. He's got the look and everything. But he, I think he does have a certain amount of charisma. So that what made it interesting to me today was that tension mm -hmm. between the film that you know Canon wanted to make and then this other film fighting to get out, this sort of almost subtext happening. Mm. It's not good. Right. It's not a good film. No, it's not. But I think it has its charms. It may have its charms, but I don't think that okay, just stay and, and just to just to 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 directly address something you said. I do think because of its role in introducing hip hop to this whole generation, I, I still maintain this is a hip hop classic. 
Okay, if you want to maintain that it's a hip hop classic, fine. But it's not a black film. It's not a black. I don't. I don't think. I think the movie that you think is fighting to make its way out from underneath the, the underneath mm-hmm. what's this the Lucinda story on top of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think makes its way. If Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp are white, it's a different movie. Uh, I mean, first of all, in 1984, as you just said, hip hop is synonymous with blackness and brownness. Like you don't have a hip hop movie in 1984 without black people. Okay, so uh, that that still doesn't mean that. To me, that still doesn't make this a, a black film. If you want to, if if you want to say that that makes this a their presence in this makes this a hip hop film. I'll give you that. But when, for the most part, they're the only, they're really the only people of color in this film. Everything else in this film, like you said, like we mentioned, it's all about Lucinda. It's all about her being the person. I mean, she is the person that is championing breakdancing. Yeah, but in the space and pushing it forward. But and then if it's not her, then it's her agent, Christopher yeah, McDonald. Yeah, James. Who, who, I mean, um, not James. Is it James? I, I forget his, his his name. I know it's the actor Christopher McDonald that's playing. Him. Yeah, um, who I always liked. No, I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah James, his name is James. James the agent. So it's between those two, those are the ones that are getting breaking. It's break. But that is super realistic. That may be super realistic. To you, that may and, be super realistic. But that, in makes, the spaces, that keeps this from being a black no, film. No, the space... Well... Or it's commentary. Because I think the film is very intentional about the spaces that they're pushing hip-hop for. Like you said, there's this dance contest that very much is representing established dance in 1984. And there is, like you said, there are really two, there's getting them in the contest and then James invites them to his house for them to make contacts with people. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's realistic. Like, like, I'm not saying that's not realistic, but I'm saying overall, this but, is not a black no, 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 film. But that's a racialized point. Like the fact that there were spaces and arguably there are spaces that you need basically a white sponsor that's race like that's racialized and you know i think we can say okay well they're white and the white characters are but even that acknowledgement of their whiteness comes from a perspective of blackness like if it was white people talking about they just say people oh well these people do it and you know that guy you know that guy has a suit on but again i think as far as breaking goes, they are very they are very specific about how James's whiteness and Special K's whiteness gets them into these spaces. See, I disagree, and and the argument I'll go to um, is a movie that we were actually going to watch for a review that didn't happen with another with a uh, of another podcast. Um, the film Sergeant Rutledge. Yes, with Woody Strode. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Which is great a film. Which right, it's a very good great film. film. And it's a film 
about essentially it's a essentially it's a uh, um it's a legal film, even yeah. though it's set in you know back in what the days of the the it's not the Civil War. The um, it, it's set way back. Yeah. Um, and it's about this white lawyer general or whatever a, a officer who is also a lawyer coming to the defense of Woody Strode, a black sergeant, um, because they feel that he neglected his duty or whatever. Yeah. Right. And. I don't think I don't think that f- that movie does not promote itself as a black movie. It does not, right? Because it is a it is a white lawyer and they're sitting in front of white judges and there's a whole lot of white people and they're talking about how Woody Strode this black man is being put on trial. But and he doesn't actually have a lot of action in the film. Well, that's because yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. Right? However, like people talk about him. They talk about him. But also talking about him in in amongst and talking about him are quite a few black actors, yes. black characters in this in that movie who have, while if not an arc, a definite point of view that is presented in that film. Sure. So because of that, if you wanted to posit that that maybe makes that movie a black film, I ride with you. In this movie, Breaking, you have these white people talking about, you know, um, uplifting these two brothers or two men of color, you know, in dance. And at no time, even though one of them talks actively against it, is his point of view really even considered that's true it's just about what we want and the um and the force our force of will in moving this thing forward towards what we want eventually making the man turn you know say okay i'll go along with it and go along with it and that to me keeps this from being a black film right i think that's fair i i also think Part of the problem, and again, now I go back to these films kind of grappling with each other, is that they never quite pull the trigger on Ozone being a viable love interest. Right. Or a viable sort of leading man, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think that neutered, that neutered nature that you're talking about speaks to that as well. And also speaks to his in increased role in the uh, much considered better sequel well we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it i don't know when's the last time you watched breaking to electric boogaloo it's been a minute maybe you shouldn't i don't know how much you need to go on record as saying it's better than this let's just say really let's just say it's the sequel (laughs) and go from there wow slow down <laughs> Slow down. Slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some hip hop. Yeah. There's some hip hop. Yeah. Speaking of hip hop. Wow. We got another iced tea signing. Got another iced tea <laughs> signing. Boy, that iced tea. Well, you know, iced tea is the glue that holds together the breaking universe. Because remember, iced tea is also in rapping. I know. He moved to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I know. 
I see holds it all together. <laughs> so it's all in the same continuity. Oh boy. Ooh, you could really chart his career. I'm gonna do you one better. <laughs> Did you blink and miss Layla Rashawn in the opening credits? At the dance sequence at Venice Beach? I did. Layla Rashawn is, is in the crowd. Wow. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. I got to look back on that. Yeah. Look, man, it's breaking. There are actually parts of breaking that crack me up unintentionally. There's a part. Oh. When they have the first battle with Electro Rock mm-hmm. and Electro Rock brings out their secret weapon, which oh. is a girl. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ozone and Turbo are gobsmacked. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. Curses are weakness. <laughs> A girl dancing. I laugh so that hard at that moment. That is true. That's a good point. The other thing that has cracked me up forever, and I, I feel like the very first time I saw this film and I saw it and it cracked me up. So Ozone goes through a crisis where where he done, you know, well, he's sad because it looks like Special K might be involved with her manager, James. Although they never, one thing I'll say, I, I kind of like the fact that Special K isn't like anybody's love interest. Not really. Like right. everybody likes her, but she's sort of doing her own thing. Yeah. So it's like, and I know uh, Cannon was just trying to keep it light. Mm-hmm. But it's oddly progressive that she's nobody's love interest. So Ozone is sad and goes to the beach. Oh, that's right. Yes. And she I comes and gives this, you know, this whole thing, Ozone, and you got to dance and this, that. And Ozone tells her, you don't know what dancing is. Let me show you what dancing is. And they go, and I know this shouldn't be funny, but it cracked me up. And there's a, a young man dancing, and his legs, I, I don't know, did he have legs? I think and he And there has were shoes legs. attached to him? I think he has legs, or, but they're like... Or the legs, are, they just, you, you know, he's handicapped. Yeah, he's handicapped. But also, it's like, that's dancing. He don't have no legs. And he's still dancing. That's real dancing. And the look on Special K's face, she's like, oh, he doesn't have any legs. <laughs> and he is dancing. This is real dance. Final part, and I swear I laughed out loud about this four hours ago when I watched this again. End of the film, they end up at the dance contest, and and they have to come in, and and they're they're initially disqualified because they're street dancers, right? And there's this table filled with judges mm-hmm. who have disqualified them, and this table filled with judges is led by the most stereotypical stuffy white guy judge you've ever seen in I mean he's got the the white hair with yes. the mutton chops yes. he has on a three piece suit mm-hmm. like you can tell he goes poppycock like you tell this you and boulder dash this is boulder dash and poppycock and he's smoking a cigar and ozone comes in and ozone you know basically bum rushes and says y'all are going to hear from us and ozone starts dancing and he's like i say oh no not at all you can't do this there's a moment where the camera pans to the right and Special K and Turbo come and join Ozone dancing. And you can hear him say off camera, oh, my God, there's more of them. <laughs> That's right. He does say that. That's right. 
For 30 years, I've been saying, oh, my God, there's more of them. Because you don't see them. You just, you just hear, hear his voice. You just hear his voice. Oh, my God, there's more of them. And he is just put Morti- upon. He's mortified. He is mortified and put upon but he, that there are more of these street dancers. But he's so mortified, right? <laughs> and, and you've seen this before. You know eventually he's going to turn. Of like course, the of, of course. But he's so mortified. Because, <laughs> oh my God, there's more. Oh my of them. God, there's Will more. Will someone of them. just turn off the music? <laughs> t- 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 leave now. Oh, oh, now he has no sleeves. Uh, <laughs> he's so freaking mortified. He, I, wa- I want to spin off with him just judging things. You call this a souffle. And you don't ever need to see him. Right. <laughs> I just want his, I just need want him his just, just to voice over and judge things. It of course ends where he does it is is where everyone the, the you know there's a standing ovation from the judges. He stands up and he puts his cigar in his mouth so that he can clap so as well. So that he can clap as well. Oh yeah. There they they they've won him. They've won every, him over. And everyone over. So now cut to the actual performance. Yes. Which is Street Jazz. <laughs> which is god awful. It's so god. Street Jazz. Street Jazz. It's so god awful. On the streets. Oh God, man. I, I, I thought I was gonna see cats. I mean, it, just, it just looks so bad. Street jazz. It looks so bad. It was so, it was so horrible. You talk about this being a certifiable hip hop classic. There's another reason why I won't call this a hip hop classic. What is that? Even though I'll give you the, I'll give you that time is sure sure giving it that crown. So it's place in history. You can't. I mean, you can't argue it's place in history. There's no good hip hop in this movie. Look, I, I, the best song I, I th- in this I movie. Think you're being regionalist. I no, think. I'm not. Vince, listen to the listen to what is on the soundtrack. Yes, to breaking. Okay, Ollie and Jerry, Ollie and Jerry no breaking. There's no stop, us. no stopping. That is not a good song. No one does it better. That is not a good song. No, you can bop all you want. That's not a good song. Uh, uh, the Bar K's Freak Show on the Dance Floor. It's not hip hop. Not hip hop. Good song. Not hip hop. All right. Hot Streak Body Work. Eh, I mean, that's just like breaking. Break music. Look, look, There's nothing happening there. Carolyn Jones, 99 and a half. 99 and a half won't do. Great song. Not hip hop. Ollie and Jerry again. Showdown. Not a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah, not yeah. a good song. All Soundtrack right? doesn't age that well. I mean, besides the shock. 3V, Heart of the Beat. You don't have to read all of these. Oh, no. We're going through. You don't have to read all of Firefox, Street People. There it is. Street people doing things in the street. <laughs> yes, garbage. Reflex, cut it. Okay, cut it. All right, that's it. Come on. Uh, Chris the Glove Taylor and David Soares, Reckless. That's the rap by Ice T, which I don't think Ice T is putting on the best of Ice T anytime soon. I mean, look, man. All right. And then we get to the one certifiable good song in this movie. In this movie, yeah. on this soundtrack, 
Ain't Nobody by Rufus with Shaka Khan. Yeah, yeah. And that's because of the immortal Shaka Khan. Well, yeah, well, because the second you hear Rufus it, you're like, what the hell is this movie, this song doing in this movie? Yeah, yeah, again. Like, and, and again, it, that might be my favorite sequence in the movie. So uh, there is nothing good. And mind you, the other good song in this in this movie doesn't make the soundtrack, and that's Al Jarreau's Boogie Down. Yeah, 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 yeah. They couldn't they couldn't afford to get Al Jarreau on there. No. Right. And also the uh Art of Noise beatbox. Right, right. Art of Noise. That's a good piece of hip hop. That's, that's it's not on it's the soundtrack on though. I mean, look, man. It's early look, I don't know how much hip hop is on the Beat Street soundtrack. Like, it's probably half and half on the Beat Street soundtrack. Okay, but uh, that's more than this. I'm just, look, I agree with you. I don't think that negates it as a part of hip-hop history. All right. So would you, well, no, you asked me. So, not a black movie, necessarily. No, not, not a, a hip-hop movie. movie, necessarily. No. Would you recommend Breaking? <sighs> Man, it, it, it here here's the rub. Here's where I meet the rub, right? Because... Regardless of my point of view, much like The Last Dragon. Much like The Last Dragon. This is a film that is, you know, a a a chestnut of black cinema that people go to. They at least name check. Yes. Even if even in if they don't return to it that often. Sure, sure. They do name check it. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of me to say if if you are always getting name check then maybe you should at least watch it. But, however, do yourself a favor. Google Boogaloo Shrimp, The Broom Dance. Yes. Watch that. Yeah. And you've seen the best part of Breaking. I would actually say don't do that until after you've watched it because it doesn't get any better than that. Like Like you said, that's the best part. No, no, I'm saying th- yeah. if you've seen that, then you don't need to watch any more of Breaking. Yeah. yeah, much like you, you got to watch Breaking. Like you actually have to watch Breaking. Wait a minute, I'm saying you don't. Oh, I'm saying you've seen if you've watched the Broom Dance, you've seen it the best. You don't need to see it. Go watch Breaking. I think you got to watch Breaking for its place in history. Not only do I think you have to watch it for its place in hip hop history, I think there is a certain type of film. That if they were making versions of it before hip hop, I can't think of any. I feel like Breaking might be the first one of those white girl gets introduced to street culture mm. type of films. You, you know, it's like it was, it was one with with, with it's like stepping up and 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 like you oh, know those dance movies, right? Like it's a million of those dance movies where it's always some white girl. Mm-hmm. From the suburbs or wherever, and she gets introduced, yeah, to this culture, black cheerleading, right? So I think as far as that trope is goes, this is the first one, yeah, most likely. So historically, I think you got to watch it for that as well. I think it's an interesting narrative experience, especially when you know the background. Which let's just be real. The background of this film is way more interesting than the film itself, mm-hmm. and it is you know somebody we gotta watch a movie every week. I was kind of it was again kind of fascinating to me how the film fought against itself. 
Okay. Like, again, you could tell this is supposed to be Lucinda Dickey's movie. Mm -hmm. And it is Lucinda Dickey's movie as long as these other elements aren't on the screen. screen. And what I'm really looking forward to when we talk about breaking to Electric Boogaloo is do we see any adjustments Oh, I think with we the will. focus on other characters. Yeah. And outside of the history, outside of the, the 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 just sort of dissection that you can do, I do think that this film has a certain amount of charm. Like I think it's a certain amount of charm. Like like I like Boogaloo Shrimp. I like um Shabadoo. I have to say, I like Lucinda Dickey more than I remember liking her. Just okay. as somebody in the movie, so so I didn't hate her. I didn't hate her. Like I remember, but see, I remember hating her. Oh, really? But I was like, eh, she's not bad. Yeah, she's alright. Yeah, she's an actress. So I think yeah, you should absolutely watch Breaking at least once. You know what? I I say that you don't have to, but I ain't going to be mad at you yeah, if you do. Yeah, I like you got all, yeah, yeah, I can understand yeah. if you do. It's part of the trifecta. It's part of the hip hop, the early, like, if you want to, like, again, the origins of sort of the proliferation of hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You yeah. got to watch Beat Street. You got to watch Crush Groove. You got to watch Breaking. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And then just kind of go from there. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into what we're going to be watching next week, I invite you to send all of your feedback, thoughts, and concerns. Email us at mission at gmail.com. Or you can join the Facebook group, The Me Show Mission, where you can have your voices heard there as well. You can find this show available as a podcast on the Podglomerate Podcast Network, curated podcast for your listening pleasure, and is also available on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, um, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, any place and every place that you find podcasts and where you do, please give us a five-star rating and a review because that helps people find our little show. We really appreciate it. Um, You can... Also, check out this show in an edited form every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM, People Power Media, Philly Cam, here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7, the voice of Drexel University. And if you also want to help out uh, uh, the Michaud Mission, go to our website, MichaudMission.com, where you can get some swag. Get your swag courtesy of T Public. We've got all types of cool T-shirts and um, sweatshirts and whatnots there available for your buying pleasure. Hey, um, frequent listener to the show, Lynn Marie posted a picture of herself in a 70s t-shirt i saw that on, uh, i saw that looking Instagram. good marie yeah thank you very much so if so all of you who've made recent purchases from the uh the from our uh t public store um please tag us in a picture on instagram or on facebook so that we can uh see you in your michelle mission accoutrement yes sir we definitely want to uh, check that out 
All right. And a special shout out real quick before we end. Uh, last week, Vince, we did our 200th episode. We did. At, at World Cafe Live, we had a ball. Yes, we did. We had a great time. We had a very cool crowd there. They, they seemed to en- enjoy our insanity. Um, uh, there, there, there is... It, video evidence of me in a in there a, is there is in a very huge afro and very huge bell bottoms um but we had we had a ball so the 200 200 episode shout out to world cafe live and to all of you who came out to check out the show um it, it was really dope it was really dope we really had a good time yes sir and that show will be coming your way in uh in a few weeks all right, Vince, it's your turn to to choose. It is my turn. What are we going to be watching? I'm next plucking week? your choice. Let's keep it moving. Let's have the second part of this episode colon Electric Boogaloo. Oh. So let's go right into it. Break let's continue into this conversation. Electric Boogaloo. Let's do a break into Electric Boogaloo, which I had forgotten. They announced it at the end of breaking. How about that? That really took me so out. They re- so they really because were trying to, and, and it comes out seven months after this. Right. I thought when that came on, I was like, oh my God, like this, they even included like a trailer for the next Yeah. Movie. It's like, no, this is before the credits. Menachem Golding was trying to get all that money. <laughs> this hip hop, this hippity hop thing is not going to last long. This is nothing but the hula hoop and the pet rock. Let's go ahead and make this money right now before the money runs out. Hey, 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 hey. We got an hour and a half left to film. Let's go. <laughs> Shabadoo, keep that rag around your head. And we still got two dozen donuts. I know. Fire up that camera. I know. So, yeah, next week, Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. Same conversation. <laughs> Is this a black film? We will see. This is a hip-hop film, everything. We will see next week, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.